Hello there, my name is Danny Yeoman, wild bird expert for Pets Corner and developer of Peter and Paul Bird Foods. Welcome to next number of podcasts detailing some of the amazing birds that we see and feed in our garden. Every week we're looking at a different bird and this week we're looking at a spectacular farmland bird, the lapwing. I should admit up front, the northern lapwing is my favourite British farmland bird. They always have been. As a schoolboy, I remember being transfixed by them wintering on their pastures where I grew up in Kent. I would sit at the dining room window at my gran and granddad's home trying to draw them in my school book. This is when I had ideas above my station of being the next Sir Peter Scott. I wish I could be a bit more original in my choice. It seems I share this avian adoration with many others. The lapwing is consistently voted in the top five of Britain's favourite birds, and few other species match its importance in their cultural history. Peewit, green plover, chewit, chewfit, toppy up, prezzyweep, twip, teaks, nicket, and I recently found out that in Devon, where my dad lives, they're known as hornywinks just a few of the vernacular country names and testimony to this bird's remarkable spring displays its memorable call exquisite plumage and also its ability to colonize pretty much every type of farmland territory the lapwing is closely associated with arable flatlands and the windy welsh hills the boggy somerset levels and the scottish highlands and every other type of farmland in between Along with the cuckoo, the lapwing's call was the classic countryside herald for the start of spring, and is for me the embodiment of Easter. So many of our Easter customs are linked to the lapwing, yet most have forgotten or overlooked this little bird's importance. It also makes me smile when shops are brimming with gaudily wrapped chocolate eggs. It's a far cry from the Easter egg's origins, It seems that the tradition of giving eggs at Easter came over to our shores with the Saxons. The venerable bard in the 8th century recorded eggs were exchanged and eaten in the Anglo-Saxon month equivalent to April. Most bird eggs were eaten at this time, but poor lapwings bore the brunt as its eggs were reputedly rich and delicious, and being a ground-nesting bird they were easily harvested. Put it down to bad nest timing, but for a millennium in this country, lapwing eggs were eaten in and around Easter. However, it was the Victorians, as with so many things, that took it too far. Lapwing's eggs, or plover eggs as they were known, had turned into a vast commercial market, with reports of basket after basket of plover eggs for sale in London's markets at Easter. Queen Victoria favoured her plover eggs cooked in aspic and Mrs Beaton supplied several recipes for the discerning cook. With the demand came dedicated teams of egg pickers. In 20 years they had stripped the whole of the south of England, as far up as Lincolnshire. By the end of the 1880s, plover eggs had been ferried in from far afield as the Scottish Highlands and Holland. It was only in 1926, and the introduction of the Lapwing Act, did it officially stop. It is from this wild harvest, however, that historians believe lie the origins of the classic Easter custom of the egg hunt. 
Lapwings' eggs hidden in the long grass would be fairly difficult to find, and a children's garden egg hunt is most likely mimicking this pursuit. Bizarrely, it seems we also have the lapwing to thank for the Easter bunny. Originally, the Easter bunny was a hare, but an animal so entrenched in pagan lore was deemed unfitting for Christian purposes. Hares, unlike rabbits, live their entire lives above ground. They hide from predators by making a shallow indentation in the soil known as a form. Lapwings classically inhabit the same territories as hares and make a scrape of a nest on the ground. In fact, quite often a lapwing will hijack a hare's form and lay its eggs in it. So you can forgive country folk of old for stumbling upon a lapwing's nest with hair droppings in it or accidentally flushing a hare and finding a lapwing's nest and coming to the conclusion that the hare laid the eggs. Today, hares have undergone somewhat of a renaissance in popular culture, but I feel sorry for the poor lapwing. They're treated as a bit part in a story, but it's them who laid the eggs that gave the hare its magical persona. Overlooked they may be, but you would think in the 1926 act, lapwings would now be safe. Sadly, that's far from true. Their demise has been precipitous. It's been a death of a thousand cuts. Wetland drainage, increased use of insecticides and synthetic fertilisers, the changes from spring-sown cereals to winter ones, the loss of fallow land, more hills, walkers, more dog owners, and the old chestnut of higher livestock density, and so on. In short, we've upped cheap food production to suit consumer needs, and the countryside has become far busier. In the last 10 years alone, the UK has lost between 50 to 70% of its nesting pairs. Now the lapwing is firmly on the RSPB's red list of the most endangered UK bird species. The biggest losses have been on farmland, yet with spectacular irony, historically the lapwing was known as the farmer's friend. A decent population of lapwing on your land will rid pasture of wireworm, leather jackets and importantly water snails, the carriers of that loathsome parasite, the liver fluke. Organisations such as Natural England and the RSPB have worked hard on grant schemes to encourage farmers to leave squares of land out of food production at nesting times. This has had some success, and although very admirable, the ideology behind this form of preservation drives me nuts. For too long, this country has separated food production from wildlife welfare, and it seems never the twain shall meet. It's like a milling crowd being ordered into line. All those for wildlife stand to the left, all those for food production move to the right. This is where I tip my hat to the practices of permaculture and its understanding of applied ecology. A healthy diversity of beetles, bats, spiders, sparrows, worms, wasps, fungus, flies, hedgehogs, hares, ladybirds and of course lapwing all conspire to grow more and healthier food for us humans. Lastly, if you're listening to this and still have lapwings nesting near you, then you are incredibly lucky, and you should salute them. Salute them for all that they have brought to Easter customs and culture, but more importantly, salute them for just being there. After all they've been through, it's incredible that they are.
The lapwing is unusual in having three quite different but commonly used names, the other two being green plover and peewit. The name lapwing comes from its distinctive wing shape and style of flight. The peewit is an excellent imitation of its display call, and yes, parts of its plumage are green. At a distance, lapwings appear to have black upperparts with white underparts, but the back has a distinct greenish sheen. The throat and chest are black, and there is an orange streak under the tail. The wings are broad with rounded paddle-like ends, which are flapped extravagantly in flight. However, the feature that is most distinctive is its long wispy crest that extends from the back of the head turning up at the end. One of nature's most evocative sounds, when first heard each year, is a sure sign that spring is just round the corner. The peewit call of the lapwing leads it to its alternative name, the peewit. Its song is enchanting extension of the call. Peewit, wit, wheeze, wit. And accompanies its complex display flight, where the male will fly over its territory slowly, climb suddenly and then tumble downwards, with its wings making a humming sound. Breeding lapwings nest in open country, and prefer to have good views of the nest, which is why nests are usually placed on a slight mound or hummock. The adults rely on the camouflage patterning of the eggs and chicks, something that becomes more effective if the parents can spot a potential predator at a distance. The parents engage in active defence of the eggs and chicks, by either flying at the potential predator or by enacting a distraction display. The latter often attempt to lead the predator away from the nest location. Nesting lapwings may also modify their behaviour if they are being watched by a human observer, for example by making false nest visits to an area that is not their nest. This is a behaviour shared with several other species, and actually includes the robin. Lapwing chicks leave the nest, which is a simple shallow scrape, soon after hatching. This reduces predation risk and also enables the family to move into vegetation that is more suitable for the chicks because it supports greater abundance of invertebrate prey. Chick mortality is thought to be an important factor in lapwing decline. The species had seen a decline in its breeding population of 53% in the last 25 years. Loss of breeding and feeding habitat, some of which has been linked to the exchange from spring to autumn sowing and the drainage of wet grassland sites, appear to be the driver behind this. The lapwing mainly eats invertebrates, including flightless insects such as leather jackets and wireworms, as well as earthworms, spiders, snails and freshwater mollusks. When feeding, it systematically scans the ground, listening, and then snatches the food in its bill. They've also been known to eat cattle dung if the weather is bad enough. And as I mentioned, they are sometimes known as farmers' friends, as they eat species which are harmful to crops. Lapwings are not a garden bird, 
So there's no food you can put out in the hopes of attracting them. But I would, if you've never seen one before, make the lapwing a pilgrimage bird. Close by where you live, there will be a place that lapwings like to congregate. Find out where it is using the RSPB's website, or local wildlife trust website, or by looking on your county's ornithological society's website, and go visit them. You won't be disappointed that you did. Familiar birds of farmland and wetland, lapwings can often be seen wheeling through winter skies in large black and white flocks. As spring approaches, these flocks get smaller. Some birds head back to their continental breeding grounds and others disperse to breed in the UK. As I've already mentioned, lapwings have declined dramatically in the last 20 years, mainly due to the changes in agricultural practices. Farmers have drained much of the damp grassland and the wide margins of lakes and rivers has disappeared due to dredging to alleviate flooding. Wetland habitats in Britain have been consistently disappearing since the end of World War II and many of our wading birds are becoming scarce as their feeding grounds become dry land. Whether you live in the town or country, you can help look after garden birds by providing a wildlife friendly garden that includes water and having the very, very best food available for them. Foods like Peter and Paul. For more information regarding Peter and Paul Wild Bird Foods, please check out the Peter and Paul website at www.peter-and-paul.com or pop into one of our wonderful Pets Corner stores and the nearest store to you can be found at the Pets Corner website at www.petscorner.co.uk Well that's it from me. I hope you've enjoyed this look at lapwings. For further birds, please continue to check out the stream and I look forward to speaking to you soon.